on air, online, on Twitter. Jennifer Campbell is always on. Unfiltered, opinionated, and ready to speak her mind at a moment's notice. This is the Jennifer Campbell Show on 570 News and Rogers TV Cable 20. Now, special guest host, Jeff Pickle. No, there ain't nothing that I gotta prove. You think your words will make me black and blue, but I... Good morning. Welcome to the Jennifer Campbell Show. I think it's funny when I drink too. A little bit of sunshine this morning. I thought it was gone. I thought we were just in for rain and clouds for the rest of the time, but no. Sun has returned. Although it's still a little brisk. A little brisk this morning. I was down uh, early this morning as part of my. Duties in the 570 newsroom on Sprucedale Crescent. Where of course, yesterday there was that uh, deadly home explosion. Uh, and it's just a remarkable scene down there. I mean, it, it's just like a house was just plucked right out of a row of, you know, normal detached houses there's still there's you know pieces of roof lying all over the place there's the car that was parked in the in the laneway there just still just sitting there it's kind of surreal to see and uh, hopefully we'll get a, a little bit more of an update on exactly what went on there uh today as they try to piece together i know there's a lot of speculation swirling just when you when you talk to people about it wondering what could possibly have uh, caused that house to explode but uh hold off on your speculation and we'll get the We'll get the real answer soon. There's an autopsy today, and then uh, the identity of the individual who was killed will be released as well. But, uh, man, that was uh, a strange kind of unsettling scene there. The house just just blows up. But stay with us uh, throughout the day. We'll bring any updates we have on that story as well. Got a great show planned for you today. A little bit later on. There was a, an article, I think it was last week, but it took me a little while to get to it. It was uh, the statement of a former hockey player who's saying that maybe it's time that the game of hockey not just gets rid of fighting, but maybe body contact in general and get hitting out of the game in an effort to uh, reduce head injuries that we know have such a dramatic impact on the professional athletes who play those contact sports. So we'll be talking a little bit about that and which specific hockey player uh, said those words. But off the top, as you heard in the 570 News update, there is more news in the ongoing sex ed curriculum dispute in the wake of the school boards and teachers union showing support for teachers who decide to Use relevant information included in the 2015 sex ed curriculum. The Ontario PC government is saying not so fast. According to the government, teachers who use the repealed sex ed curriculum will face consequences. Ontario Premier Doug Ford has invited parents to anonymously report teachers to the government using a website critics have dubbed as a snitch line. If a teacher chooses to be so bold as to include lessons on consent 
or online luring or sexting or sexual identity, parents can report that teacher to the authorities. Joining me on the program to chat more about this, one of the reporters who broke that story, Queen's Park reporter with the Canadian Press, Sean Jeffords. Sean, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Jeff. So this... I mean, government seems to take a fairly combative approach to to most topics. Is this a, another example of a, a fairly combative way to to address a, a dispute? It is, and it's a bit surprising that they've done this because you know we've been asking them about uh, the comments that have been made, as you mentioned, by the school boards, by the teachers' unions, uh, and in in effect, I mean, in the unions' cases, encouraging teachers to teach the uh, the 2015 curriculum, which is now repealed. Um, and the government to, the, to uh, I guess, this point or before yesterday was saying really very little about what action they would take, if any, um, about uh, teachers who defied the government's directive to teach the, the 1998 curriculum. And um, this is quite an about face for the premier to come out and say effectively, you know, we're going to uh, we're going to there will be consequences, although they're very uh, vague about what those consequences will be for teachers. Yeah, and, and to the best of your knowledge, I, I mean, it's a little bit vague. We know they can be reported on, and I guess then the ministry will have you know information on which teachers are using the updated curriculum. But what's what are the consequences? Do we know anything about what can happen to teachers? Well, we don't know just yet. Um, I think what um, what will likely or what could likely occur is that they could face sanction at the uh, Ontario College of Teachers, uh, which is the body that oversees uh, teacher conduct in this province. Um, and, but but what remains uh, a bit of a question mark at this point is this uh, teacher or parental bill of rights uh, that the province will create and the committee that uh, will go with it to, to create the bill and to effectively almost, uh, it would seem, um, oversee teachers as well. And we're not really sure what that will mean uh, at this point. I mean, there's still a lot of questions surrounding this uh, announcement about the curriculum from the Premier. Uh, the Premier and the Education Minister were not available for questions yesterday. Uh, they just issued a statement and uh, this, uh, this revised curriculum. And so we are, if I check my calendar, and uh, less than less than two weeks away from the, the first day of school. And I know teachers, uh, parents, everyone involved have been kind of waiting to, to learn uh, a little bit more about how the government would react. Do we, do we know why? I mean, what was the rationale given for not just making a statement saying they would pursue teachers who, who who go outside the curriculum, but actively, you know, making a, an express lane, uh, a, a dedicated line that, that people can call a fast lane to, to report these teachers. Do we know why such expediency was given to, to you know, try to control the teachers? You know, I think that the, the government has been struggling with this since they started their summer session. And um, there have been a lot of questions about uh, the uh, the repeal and how the government was going to do it. Uh, you know, obviously, this was a big promise that uh, Premier Ford made to repeal and replace this curriculum and consult widely. Um, and he doubled down, saying they would consult uh, across the province, uh, saying it would be the largest consultation in the uh, 
the history of the education sector in this province. So when you set the bar that high, really early in the summer, it, it I think requires somewhat dramatic action. Um, and the problem was that every time uh, they were asked questions about this throughout the summer, um, it seemed to muddy the waters even further. So, you know, as you pointed out, school starts in a couple of weeks. They had to do something, and they had to be seen to be um, giving a directive to the teachers and the school boards before kids went back to school. So here it is, and it is dramatic. Yeah, you, you got to wonder what, what teachers are thinking coming back uh, into school and the, the possibility uh, of being reported. Now, what do you think that do you think this stems from more of a political struggle against some of the uh, some of the people who have openly spoken out against uh, these moves like the teachers unions like some of the boards who kind of uh, have vaguely been saying that they'll they'll support the newer curriculum or does this come from a place of hearing from parents and hearing from the upset public uh, about the possibility of being taught you know these new updated lessons it's uh, it's it's pretty complex in the sense that uh, I think this dates back to Premier Ford's um, run for the PC leadership earlier this year. You know, he uh, he really um, appealed to a lot of social conservatives in the party base uh, by saying that he would replace um, uh, repeal and replace the uh, the curriculum that was deeply unpopular uh, with social conservatives in the party. He continued to talk about this during the campaign. Um, uh, in the spring for the election. And, uh, you know, I think it set an expectation that this would be dealt with. Uh, I don't know if it'd be really, it'll be really interesting to see through the fall um, if parents across the province support this move or not. Um, and if it's just something, as the NDP say, is isolated to social conservatives and um, is, is not carried by or not a, a belief held by the mainstream that that uh, 2015 curriculum needed to be replaced. Um, certainly, the province finds itself in a very difficult position now. It, it has to uh, satisfy those folks that uh, had initially called for it, but somehow include some of these uh, topics that modernize the curriculum, like cyberbullying, uh, consent, uh, gender identity, and these are some of the topics that the social conservatives who dislike the uh, curriculum really objected to, uh, it, it, just on the very basis of their inclusion. So, it is not a; it's a very difficult spot for the province to be in right now. Absolutely. And the the final kind of piece of this was that there would be the announcement of these public consultations on education reform. What do we know about how those are shaping up and what that will look like? It's a real. Uh, it's a, it's a real add-on, I would say, uh, to what we already thought would be a pretty broad sex ed consultation. In the past few weeks, the government uh, has been under a lot of heat, obviously, about the sex ed curriculum. And every time they were asked a question in the legislature about sex ed, they would try and pivot and answer that question saying that they actually wanted to improve math scores in the province and they wanted to uh, consult parents on how they could improve the math curriculum and get rid of discovery math, which um, is, is, I guess, a kind of a, a controversial way that math is taught in this province. What we heard yesterday is that they want to, you know, consult about math as well, but then they also want to talk about a number of other issues, including uh, cell phone use in the, uh, in the, in the classroom and uh, how to include uh, financial literacy in the curriculum and other issues, things we never heard them discuss before. 
So uh, I think a lot of people have been caught off guard by that. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, definitely some people uh, off guard, uh, scratching their heads a little bit. But, uh, Sean, I thank you for taking the time to, to chat with us this morning about this topic. Hey, thanks for having me, Jeff. All right, excellent. Once again, Sean Jeffords. He is the legislative reporter with Canadian Press. Okay, we ran uh, a little bit long with that. I know the uh, phone lines are open. We have a, a call waiting. Let's take a quick break first, and then we'll get to the call uh, right after the break. So hang on tight. Jennifer Campbell Show right after this. When extreme weather hits, count on the 570 Extreme Weather Center. All right, we're back with the Jennifer Campbell Show here on 570 News. Thanks for tuning in on Rogers Cable 20 as well. Before the break, we were talking to Sean Jeffords of the Canadian Press about the news out of Queen's Park that the PC government is opening up a quote-unquote snitch line for parents who believe their teacher is uh, their kid's teacher is teaching information in the new updated curriculum you know information about sexting and sexual identity and online luring and that sort of thing you can report them directly to the government and potentially that teacher could face some consequences uh, we're now joined on the show by MPP in Kitchener Center Laura May Lindo Laura May thanks for listening and welcome to the show Hi, thanks for having me. So I, I take it you uh, you heard something uh, this morning involved in our conversation <laughs> about the uh, this latest update in the in the sex ed d- dispute. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I have a really big concern about the the notion of calling in if you think that the teacher is teaching something that's uh, that's part of the most recent sex ed curriculum, not not simply because of the feedback that I've been getting from folks across Kitchener Center. I've been inundated with emails um, of people who are concerned about the safety risk that um, not teaching the 2015 curriculum will have on students and teachers, to be honest, um, since some of our teachers are also queer. Um, I One of the big concerns that I have as I was listening this morning, though, is the... When I was in the classroom, because I used to teach, and when I was in the classroom, one of the biggest issues was building a, a relationship between parents and myself as a teacher. And uh, when I started to teach in teachers' college, and I was teaching new teachers and working, uh, doing professional development with uh, more seasoned teachers, building that relationship out of respect um, and recognizing that, that the teacher was doing what was in the best interest of the child was a really difficult thing to to facilitate and now to have a line set up for parents to snitch on teachers is going to bring us back even further so it's not just the safety of our kids that's being pulled back but now all of the work that we've been doing to try and um, sort of let parents know that they can be comfortable and confident in the professionalism of our educators um, I don't. I don't understand how this can be seen as the kind of leadership that we want uh, across Ontario and in our classroom. And I'm curious because I know you do have a lot of experience uh, teaching and in the educational field in general. Mm-hmm. What would that feel like for a teacher to know that you know they're they're standing in front of you know potentially twenty 
or more people who who could be you know running home and telling their parents and and it would be like a game of broken telephone i imagine where what ends up going you know onto that that snitch line might be a little different in the first place but just having that thought that you know there's some potential informers amongst the crowd when you're trying to do your your job and teach well, how are you, I, I just don't understand how you're supposed to engender trust in the classroom. Um, so when we're talking, the whole point of education, if we sort of take a step backwards and we think, what is the purpose of sending our children to school? It's for them to learn new information. But when we learn new information, it takes time, right, for us to sort of get all of the pieces together. What happens if a child is still sort of grappling with some of the information and just wants to ask a a general question to their parents, and all of a sudden that gets taken up as they're teaching the wrong thing. Like the parents aren't, we aren't provided, I'm a parent, I have three children. I am not provided with the documents that the teachers are getting two weeks before school is supposed to start. So I don't even know what's in this sort of makeshift curriculum that's being provided to educators, they're scrambling already um, just trying to figure out what's in there and what the changes are going to be and how to update their their curriculum documents, like their actual daily documents and outlines of what it is that they're going to teach, because teachers as professionals have to actually have all of that stuff in place ahead of time in case they get sick. They're people. And so they'd have to hand that off to a supply teacher. So the supply teachers are going to feel uncomfortable not knowing what's supposed to be in there and what's not. The teaching staff is going to be worried that as a student is just starting to learn something new, that they may inadvertently get them into trouble. And I don't, that can't build any kind of trust. And so what worries me is that we're seeing this time and time again with different uh, bills that the that the current government is is passing um, with decisions that they're making that they're not operating in a way that builds trust and that piece is really worrisome because these kids are already at a disadvantage for not having the information that was in the 2015 curriculum so take an example of somebody what if there's a child who's been sexually assaulted and they're sitting in the classroom, the biggest thing they need is to be able to trust an adult. Well, if the teachers are now being put into a position where they're being threatened with um, with having their teaching certification taken away, because I don't know what else the, the threat that was put out there that, you know, we will act quickly if anything happens, how are they supposed to have that sort of, again, that respectful, trusting relationship to be able to help that that child? And how will that child feel comfortable enough to talk to their parents if they're worried that their parents kids are very intelligent they're watching all of the all of this as it as it plays out so how are they going to feel comfortable talking to their parents about what it is that's happened to them if they're worried that their parents will call it online to get their teacher in trouble i just think it's making such a big mess that it's going to create a lot of discomfort in the classroom come september and we're just weeks away yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think you've uh, encapsulated the feelings of, of a lot of parents there. Uh, we did run ourselves out of time, but I want to thank you for, for taking the time to come in and, and share your thoughts. No worries. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you once again. That was uh, Laura May Lindo, the NDP MPP for Kitchener Center.
uh, clearly not uh, thrilled, as as you can imagine. You know, many parents will be about the the this idea. Uh, be curious to see how this plays out and, and the take up on that on that snitch line. It does seem like something that would certainly uh, erode trust. You can understand, I think, the government's desire to want to have control over the curriculum and what they're teaching. They're saying, this is the curriculum, we want to teach this. And essentially, all the teachers' unions and many of the boards have come out and said, now we're going to do what we want anyway. So you understand, I suppose, the desire of the government to still want to have control over what is typically in their domain, but uh, clearly many feel that this could be a, a done in the, certainly the wrong way. Okay, that's all the time we have for this. We might circle back around to it a little bit later on. we got to go to a news upbreak and then body contact out of the NHL. It's an idea. We'll talk about that right after this. Making your smart speaker even smarter. Alexa, play 570 News. Playing 570 News. We are back with the Jennifer Campbell Show. Jeff Pickle here filling in. And you know what? Having a great time doing so. Sun shining today. What's not to love? One more day closer to Friday. Thanks to my guest, Sean Jepperts, for uh, joining us before the break. And also for uh, Laura Mae Lindo, Kitchener Center MPP, who uh, I guess was listening in. And wanted to uh, comment on on what she heard about that snitch line being put in place for for teachers wanting to teach the updated curriculum. So certainly an, an escalation in that uh, dispute between teachers' unions, uh, the school boards, parents, and the government. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because it does, uh, you know, certainly appear to be. I think the word combative is a good way sometimes to describe uh, this government. They're certainly not, you know, holding back. There's no there's no real half measures taken. It's uh it's full on. And it'll be a, an interesting 4 years if that's the way things uh continue to progress. We're going to move on to uh, our next topic. And I teased it a little bit before the break about uh, hockey and the game of hockey. And all contact sports are changing. We're finally uh, starting to realize the devastating effects of brain injuries. We see it uh, in the NFL. We see it certainly in hockey with boxing. Any sport that requires uh, body contact and, and repeated hits to the head. The question being raised, could we see the game of hockey move away from hitting entirely? That was the suggestion made by Hockey Hall of Famer Eric Lindros, who was one of the most physical players of all time and whose career was cut short by head injuries. Speaking at a concussion symposium, Lindros said it was time for the NHL to seriously think about removing body contact from the game. This was all included in a piece in the National Post by sports reporter Michael Trachios, who joins me on the program now. Michael, thanks so much for taking the time to chat. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. 
so is this i mean we we've seen the progression of moving away from 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 hitting in the NFL and from headshots in the in the NHL is this idea of totally removing hitting something that you've heard before or did this kind of sneak up on you you know what i've heard it before and initially it was brought up by Ken Dryden at the symposium uh for um concussions and concussion awareness and research um and you know what it didn't even take me by surprise what ken was suggesting because you know you watch hockey today uh versus growing up in the 80s and 90s and the game does look a lot different first of all it's faster but i think it's also a lot less physical and i think we're sort of trending that way already just with um the crackdowns on hits to the head blindsided hits um, I think more and more players are weighing the pros and cons of delivering a body check and saying, listen, I'm either going to get dinged for two minutes, I'm going to miss the guy, or I might even get a suspension. Why not just try to take the puck off him by lifting a stick or um, just using body control or body positioning versus going for that huge hit that's going to knock him um, into the third row of the stand. So. You look around the league, and the guy like Connor McDavid had the most takeaways, so he actually stripped more guys of the puck than anyone else in the NHL, and yet he also only had something around 20 hits uh, all season, so fewer than uh, one hit per game, or one hit even every other third game. So I think we're already trending that way, and Eric Lindros called me the other day to clarify his comments. He doesn't think that we need to go 100% or remove body contact from the NHL. Um, he was more uh, adamant on removing it from the youth level where, you know, it, different people, I guess different boys hit puberty at different ages and some guys are already six feet tall at the age of 12, 13, and other ones are um, a lot smaller in size and we're seeing a lot of concussions that way. But he's also in the agreement with Ken that, you know, the game is kind of trending towards not having body contact as, the primary objective and when you watch hockey these days you're not watching it for the hits or the fight um like you might have used to uh, back in the rock'em sock'em days of the 80s now you're watching it for the skill and the speed and um i think just with the younger guys coming up we're seeing a lot more smaller sized players who physically that's just not part of their game so uh, i think we're going to get there eventually whether we institute a new role or not and this piece has been out for for about a week since uh, since it uh, first uh, was published. What type of response have you heard, uh, both from the the sports and the hockey community, but also from from fans and from the people people watching the sport? What what have you heard on, on those sides? You know, I was kind of pleasantly surprised in the sense that I was expecting a lot of uh, mail saying that Eric Lindros was out the lines, that I'm kind of trying to ruin the game by even publishing this. On the contrary, I got a lot of response from people saying, you know what, I'm not a professional hockey player, but I've had concussions playing hockey, um, just rep-level hockey, and where um, I've had to stop playing even men's league hockey because of that, and um, they're all in favor of it as well. I think, you know, it, it's, I think it's very easy to watch hockey these days and not to be looking for that big hit, like I said. Um, some of the players that I enjoy watching right now aren't the most physical. It's not the Milan Lucic's and the uh, the Matt Martins in Toronto um, that I really kind of gravitate towards. Instead, it's the Mitch Marners, the Connor McDavid's, the Johnny Goudreau's who um, combined, if those three guys threw 
uh, 100 hits, I'd be surprised over a year. So, you know, it's, let's face it, it's, the game is slowly going towards the women's game, and that's not a bad thing. I think when you watch the women's product, they're able to kind of use physicality in a way that um, they're still going shoulder to shoulder, but they're not looking out for that huge, uh, huge hit that's going to damage someone uh, irrecoverably uh, for the next you know, 20, 30 years. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that because that's exactly what I thought when you look at the the women's game, and it is definitely still body contact, but it's not impact. You know, it's not that that the shoulder charging hit, but it's you know you ask any any woman who's played the game at a high level, and they'll tell you it's body contact, and you can tell when you watch when we were able to see the Olympics and the few times we're able to kind of actually really watch women's hockey at a high level. It's incredibly skilled. It's incredibly fun to watch. It's still physical. It just doesn't have that, that element of, as, as you said, the big, you know, the big steamrolling hit. And that's the thing that people kind of, well, some people will obviously, uh, the knee jerk reaction is, Oh, they're going towards a women's game. Oh, it's not going to be intense. Oh, it's not going to be physical you're not going to get that same sort of, it's going to be basically shinny hockey or pawn hockey. That's not the case. Like really watch a women's game at a high level, Canada, U S at the Olympics. If they're not physical, then you're missing something because there's a lot of hate on the ice and yet they're not clocking each other in the head. That being said, there's still concussions in that. And I think that's the thing that we got to keep in mind. Like whether it's soccer, hockey, um, volleyball, even like uh, concussions are going to happen. Like, you could be walking down the street and bump your head and you're going to get a concussion. And some people are maybe more predisposed uh, to having concussions or head trauma injuries than others. So I think it's a means of just, you know, we love hockey. Um, It's the number one sport in Canada. Uh, I've got kids who play hockey and, you know, it's trying to keep them safe while also trying to retain uh, what is a great product. And I think watching hockey these days, it's very. I'd be very hard pressed to say that the game's not in a better spot than it's ever been. And what do you think the conversations are going on within the NHL itself? It, it's been somewhat of, uh, as most professional leagues are, certainly when you talk about the NFL and the and the NHL, a little bit slow in adaption of some of the the, the current trends. What do you, what do you think the conversations are? What do you know about the way they see the game progressing? Yeah, I know that from talking to George Peros, who's the new kind of Department of Player Safety, his biggest concern is I I think the younger generation coming up is now growing up in that kind of, you know, stop signs on the back of the jerseys, don't hit guys uh, when they're, um, when they've got their backs towards you. But now it's trying to protect uh, the player with the puck saying, you know what, you're not Superman out there. You're not fearless just because you've grown up in an environment where people aren't taking liberties with you. Um, now it's about kind of protecting yourself. And I think, I, I wonder if we're going to start moving back towards allowing slight sl- uh, clutching and grabbing just to kind of slow things down. And if you are charging into someone who's got the puck, that rather than full on put the brakes on the last second, you're able to kind of grab him with one or two hands and not just for, um, uh, grabbing him to kind of in control of the puck, but for his safety, where you're almost cushioning a blow. Um, I think we're almost getting to that point where uh, the player out there is educated. The player out there has grown up in an environment where it's not about killing someone on the ice with a huge head. It's now about, okay, we want to take the puck off you in a smart way. How can we do it? And I think um, we're slowly kind of going uh, full circle in the sense that we might 
be getting back to that clutching and grabbing uh, area on the ice. Yeah, and, that, and that's a great point you bring up, and I know uh, Ken Dryden brought it up in, in the article, and a lot of hockey kind of experts look to that, the way the old NHL was played with, exactly as you say, slowing guys down in the neutral zone, so it's it's harder to get up to top speed. And just the fact that, I mean, sports in general is so much more athletic. The, the professional athletes are so much faster. So if you take out any of those speed bumps, if you have these guys who are incredibly fit, incredibly strong, incredibly fast, is if there are fewer hits when they do happen, they're incredibly more impactful than they were in the game 20 years ago. Yeah, you watch soccer, and there is some clutching and grabbing, and yet guys reach top speed. Guys are able to kind of run around as much as possible, and it's up to the referees to say, okay, that, that you've gone a little too far. So I, I wonder if we're going to the point now where, yeah, we've, we've removed all those kind of dinosaurs that weren't able to skate, and all they did was grab and hold and, uh, slow up the game that way. If now we're gotten to the point now, okay, well, we do have skilled, we do have speed players, we have guys who are smaller in size, who are able to kind of move and deke around. Um, what's the harm in allowing a little bit of kind of, okay, I'm going to hold you up, not just to hold you up to grab the puck, but for the safety of my teammate, because I don't want you going full speed into him, um, even if you mean to hit him hard or not. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's an interesting piece, and like you said, you said you weren't surprised when when you heard it being said. I wasn't surprised when I when I saw the headline. Um, you know, I I love I the only thing I play is is body contact sports, but there certainly definitely is a way to to reduce head injuries, and the more it moves away, you know, it's not talking about removing body contact from sports, it's talking about moving the potential dangerous hits, which uh, I, I agree, I think it's certainly moving that way, and, and wouldn't be surprised if we do see it progress that way in the, in the next, you know, I don't know how many years, but in the next, you know, probably not so, so distant future. Uh, Michael, thanks so much for taking the time to join me this morning. All right, thanks for having the conversation. All right, excellent. Once again, Michael Trachios, he is a sports reporter with the National Post uh, Eric Lindros, the big E. Have you ever seen his highlight reel? I mean, the guy's a truck. The guy could run over anything in his way. And it's interesting that it is usually those guys, the big guys, who played that way, who now say after the fact that like this is something that seriously affects your life and, and we need to do more to protect people from having these types uh, of injuries. Of course, and there's people who just call them hypocrites, like I've seen on Twitter already. A tweet coming in saying, if you don't want a concussion, stay away from body contact. That is that is certainly the view. And, you know, I said it. Like, I play the only sports I ever played or excelled at were ones that prominently featured body contact. And and, and hitting in the style that's being taken out of the game was was something that one of the few parts of the games that I excelled at. But I, but I can see, you know, why... It's something we need to get away of just to protect our heads with everything we know about concussions. So let's take hitting in its truest form, not body contact. Let's take impact hitting. Let's take the Scott Stevens hit out of the game completely. Hitting's gone, yes or no. I think you've got a comment on this. I'd love to hear it. 519-570-2545. That's right. I don't know why. I just forgot the number. 519-570-2545. Star 570-100-570-5715. Give me a call. Let's have a chat. I want to hear what you think. Let's take a break. We'll be back right after this. Take flight with Canada's team. I want to fly. Get up there. Get up there. 
Follow the Toronto Blue Jays through all 162. That's Every walk-off hit, every game-saving catch, every heart-pounding strikeout. 570 News, your home for Toronto Blue Jays baseball. Jennifer Campbell show on 570 News. Jeff Pickle here filling in for the one and only Jennifer Campbell. She will be back next week sitting right here in the host chair. So you got me tomorrow, but uh, looking forward to having Jen back. Absolutely. 905 Monday morning. And I believe on that day, then I'll be an hour later filling in for Mr. Farwell come Monday morning at 10.05. Exciting things. Exciting things happening here at 570 News. Before the break, we were chatting with Michael Trachios. He is a reporter with the National Post. Had a story about Eric Lindros, the big E. Proud member of the Legion of Doom. One of the most physical players really redefined that role or made, created that role, you could say, between him and Cam Neely, the power forward. The hulking mass of a man just moving down the ice. Not necessarily trying to move the puck around you, although he could just instead just barreling right through you and then having the skill to uh, put the puck past the goalie. Uh, Eric Lindros being now coming out as another player saying, let's talk about removing hitting from hockey. And as Trachio said, uh, the clarification being out of the, out of the youth game, maybe be able to keep it in some of the higher level hockey, but in, in the younger youth level sports, keep it out. And he, and he raised a really good point there. And that's, just the fact that kids develop at such different ages that it's just not, it, it just doesn't seem logical that you would have hitting at an age where a kid in grade eight could be four foot eight and a kid could be, you know, six foot two. I was six feet in grade eight and there was kids and I was playing hockey against guys who were, you know, exactly not broaching the five feet mark. Like, how am I not hitting, you know, having a direct shot to the head every time I I hit someone? You know what I mean? And I got that penalty a lot. The head check. Penalty. It's like, of course it's a head check. I'm a foot taller than some of these players. Half a foot taller than most of them. So I get that. I really do get that, that logic about at the youth level, removing it. But at the National Hockey League level, There's certainly a large contingent of fans of the NHL who absolutely love the big hit. I like watching a big hit. It's great. It's fun. Do I need it to watch? Probably not. I'll probably still watch the game if there was less hitting involved, but I absolutely like it. I mean, if you want to ask the honest truth, when I watch a game, do I like to see big hits? Yeah, I'm not going to tell you any different than I don't. 
for sure. But if that's not all, you're not really much of a hockey fan if that's all you watch for, right? It's a beautiful, great game regardless of the big hit. And it's still a physical, tough, very tough game without the big hit. So I'd probably be fine watching it without hitting. Phone lines are open, 519-570-2545. We've got Terry on the line. Terry, good morning. Hi, good morning, Jeff. Uh, actually, I have the solution to, to uh, remedy this, this issue that, that they're talking about without removing a body contact or, the, or, as you mentioned, the hard hitting. I think they should get rid of those hard acrylic elbow pads that players have been using over the last 20 or so years, and as well as the hard uh, plastic uh, acrylic shoulder pads. I think that's the biggest problem because if you, if you notice – a lot of the open ice hits in today's games are, are with the elbow to the head. That's 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 basically how the game is played. I, I I'm old enough to have played without a helmet, and and the elbow pads we used to use back in those days were basically just a piece of foam with with, with some cloth covering it. That that was it. You you couldn't hurt a fly if you hit somebody with with, with those elbow pads. And if I may also make mention of the NFL currently, they're they're, they're addressing that. Um, Leading with your head rule yeah. to trying to eliminate. Uh, I, I played some high school football, a little bit of semi-pro in, in my mid, early to mid twenties, and we were taught back then: you, you hit with your head. Yeah, that's, it's all about leverage. And if you question any of the uh, these coaches that that taught you that, you'd be sitting on the bench. That's the way we were taught to play. And I'm glad that they're going away from that because that is not the way to hit. No, you're going to break your neck or even worse. It's terrifying. And I and I appreciate the call. I think you I think you really um, are onto something with the getting away from the hard um, the hard equipment being used. And, and I know I bring this up a fair amount on the show, and I apologize to do it again. But I, I just relate it back to back to a sport like rugby where you don't play with you know, any equipment on and that hard equipment on, and it gives you a better sense of, you know, why you don't put your head in front of people's moving bodies because you, you tackle different in rugby than you do in football. You put your head outside the body in rugby and in football, you're taught, you used to be taught to put your head right in front. So I think that, I think that's a smart thing. Absolutely. Okay. Sorry. We've got more calls. I'll shut up here. Paul, what's going on? We got you on the line, Paul. Very good. Uh, I think it all goes down to officiating and uh, the respect that other players have for other players. You always have to be defensive in the fact that you're going to get a cheap shot from some goon that's out there just to make his glory hit, and that's all there is to it. Yeah, I, I think you, I think you're onto something there as well, Paul. That you know, if you tweak the rules enough, and if you change the rules enough, the situation will take care of itself. I mean. I don't think they'll move to a point where they ban or outlaw hitting. I think the game's just already moving in a way that's reducing it so much that it, it becomes it becomes a, a negative. It, it, it detracts from your game if you have guys going out of their way to lay these big hits. You know, if you if you're making that extra effort to go in and really crush someone and the game moves so fast, you might be moving out of the play. And that's the way it works right now. That's the way it is working. That it's just the the game's evolving out of it. Same with fighting, right? You can't really have a designated fighter on your team because they're just a guy filling up roster space and you can't use them. So that's the way, you know, there was no outlaw of fighting. It just worked its way slowly out of the game. So it's still there. You still see some fights, but I mean, not nearly at the level. I think something with hitting uh, will be going on. And this does, kind of like Lindros, make me an absolutely... Huge hypocrite because, I mean, when I play the game, I love 
body contact, and I love hitting. But, I mean, you, you got to think about, you see some people suffering from concussions, and you, and you realize the effects that those have long-term, and you maybe start to see things a little different way. Speaking of seeing things a different way, the Mike Farwell Show is coming up in just moments. We'll go to the news, but that's it for me. You guys have yourself a wonderful day.